0: This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm.
1: From the armeniaproud.com studios, (inaudible) this is a Toast to Armenia with Jono Kabinjian a comprehensive look at the armenian culture only on lineupmedia.fm
2: genatsat genatsat spesek. how are you my friends how are you brian oh i'm doing quite well today well hey uh we've been uh we you know we've had our show going From one day to another, and we've had some guest uh, situations to where we thought we were going to have guests that week and all. But you know what? Anush saves the day. Yeah, she came through again. Anush always saves the day, and she's got a nice show. Uh, Mm -hmm. She put a nice show together with uh, this wine individual. I don't know. I'm going to listen to it as well as uh, everybody else does, and yep. uh, we'll find out all about it, and I'm sure it'll be just fine. In the news, in the news, Brian, yesterday, yesterday was Armenia's Armed Forces Day. January 28th, we yep. hold that, and I think that's— uh, I can't I can't tell you how proud I am of you guys out there. So is every Armenian out there from Armenia all across the world. Every Armenian out there— we are so proud of you guys, and yesterday, January 28th, was Armenia's uh, military day, armed forces day, and uh, hey, to our troops out there, you know, you guys preserve so much for us, our Armenian people, our Armenian lands, God bless each and every one of you, and uh, all the veterans that have fought for Armenia, or just being a veteran, thank you so much, because you know what, we, we hold you guys at the... At the peak. Uh that Yera Queen, that flag would not exist without you guys. So thank you so much, our men and women out there that have given so much for Armenia. God bless all of you. And uh hey, another big news, another big news, Brian, we've got um uh Henrik McAtarian. Uh, yes. Y- I did did you see me with my jersey? Yes,
0: you were you were proud.
2: I'm telling you, bro, that jersey's damn tight. It's I, I ordered I order I, I okay folks, I'm not just I'm not really, really overweight, but you know what? If you're a little overweight and you're ordering these soccer jerseys, order a couple sides or higher because these soccer guys, I and you look at it, make a tie and you look at it, they're all in great shape. And they make it like custom fit. I put mine on. I, I look mm-hmm. like an Armenian Chris Farley. Oh, it's, I, it I'm can't not kidding. Be that I, bad. I, I, I'm not kidding with you. I I got to lose weight. I've been losing weight too. You know, we got that little weight contest in the uh, in our uh, lineup uh, production right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got a little yeah,
0: yeah. contest going on with You're, that. You are winning handily right now. I am.
2: I'm losing weight. I'm losing weight. I'm I'm just eating kebabs, my friends. Just Armenian kebabs. Staying away from the huts. No more hots. I can't eat your hots. I can't eat those delicious cakes. Last night we were at a picnic and they had all the bread out. They had the cakes out, and I'm like looking at them like I can't eat this. I can't eat mm. this. Well, how the hell you gonna eat the cheese? I'm not gonna eat the cheese. Yeah. I, 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 if, if I'm gonna eat the cheese, then I gotta eat the bread. So I'm not gonna. But I'm on that low carb diet and. Uh,
0: I guess I could have just eaten the cheese, but then I'm eating too much cheese. Yeah, you can eat too much cheese. That's, yeah. yeah it's, that's not good for you. But, Jono, uh, I actually uh, wanted to say a congratulations to uh, Tigran Mansurian and uh, Orbelian, uh, Constantine Orbelian. They were both nominated for Grammys last night. Unfortunately, they didn't win, but they uh, still got nominated. That's beautiful. And that's still a big deal. So, you know what? We uh, can you can that you was make for, something uh, happen there, best, Brian? Best choral performance, best classical contemporary composition. And uh, for uh, best classical solo vocal uh, album, bravo, mm-hmm. bravo. Both that's nominated, beautiful. but uh, unfortunately, yeah, they didn't hey, win. But still, you're nominated. That's something yes. big, right that's there. That's a big you know? deal. So, yeah. hey, yeah, that's your job,
2: there, Brian. You got to get me these people. Well, if I was you on gotta- like
0: the voting board for the Grammys, maybe I could pull something. But right. I'm not. So, boy, we had that. We had Boston's uh, drummer. And, and then, Hashian, yeah. yeah,
2: and then he died on a cruise ship. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were gonna get him on our show. We were unbelievable. Don't wait till they die. I'm, we I'm, We got. We
0: got to get him trying, on our. show I'm trying not to. All I'll, right. I'll try and get in contact with them as, as soon as I can.
2: All right. Thank you so much, Brian. Hey, you know what?
0: Without further ado, let's get Anush's interview. I'm dying to listen
2: to it as well.
3: Hello and welcome to another episode on Armenia Proud. Today, I'm very excited um, to uh, interview Irina, and you will find out why. Irina is a certified sommelier and cognac educator. Hi, Irina. How are you?
4: Hi, Anush. Good. I'm so, so happy so- to be <laughs> with you in this new year.
3: <laughs> Thank you. It's so great. It's, um, this is a topic that's long overdue. Um, Armenians are very big on brandy, cognac, as we call it, you know. Uh, and, um, I am looking forward to talk to you about it, um, get lots of, uh, questions answered and, um, all in all, looking for a fun and interesting interview. So, um, tell us about your background and how
4: did you get into the industry? Um, well, uh, first of all, I, uh, came to California about 14 years ago to do a PhD in political science. Uh, But moving to California, it was inevitable that I would encounter wine. (laughs) And it just ended up being a more interesting topic. So uh, eventually I uh, did a sommelier certification with the North American Sommelier Association. And I was just looking for what interested me in the wine industry. And um, it ended up to be cognac. So um, last year. I applied to uh, do the Cognac Educator program. It is a very selective program. They select about a dozen people from all over the world to do this program in the spring of every year. And I ended up getting into, which I almost didn't believe. Mm -hmm. So I went to Cognac last year and um, participated in this amazing and wonderful program and learned so much in just a few days and drank some amazing spirits. Um, and met some amazing people from all over the world and I am very happy to share this knowledge with you now. Wow that
3: is amazing that seems like a lot of work. Uh, So how long
4: did you study for it? (laughs) For cognac? For cognac yeah. Uh, Well I did read up Mm -hmm. on cognac because the program ends with an exam so you have to know something before you go obviously but they they do teach you even the most basic things mm-hmm. uh, beginning with the vineyards and then um so how the grapes for cognac are grown um how the wine is made uh, how the spirit is distilled how mm-hmm. it then it becomes cognac because you cannot call a spirit cognac before it aged in the barrel for two years which
3: which brings me to another question on what is cognac what is brandy I know this is a lengthy uh, question, but um, just to clarify, you know what is what and um, why some people can call it cognac and some people cannot, and then we can talk about the whole process
4: how it's made. Um, well, cognac—you have to. The first thing you have to remember, and many people don't really realize it, that cognac is a city in France. Mm-hmm. That is the first thing. So, Where, cognac in is France. a place. Uh, If you imagine France, uh, think of the west coast of France. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the region uh, surrounding the city of Cognac will be in the middle on the west coast. So just north of Bordeaux. So the appellation of Bordeaux uh, borders the appellation of Cognac uh, in the north. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then if you move north from Cognac, you get into the vineyards of the Loire. Mm -hmm. So, between Bordeaux between and Bordeaux Beauvoir. And Mar, so. Yes, on the uh, west coast of France, in the middle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and cognac is a city. It became the center of production of brandy. So, uh, the region surrounding it is the Appellation of Cognac, and the spirit produced with, within the Appellation can be called cognac. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, it became the most famous brandy of the world. That's why... Uh, Other branded producers um, started calling their spirits Cognac Mm -hmm. because Cognac was so famous and everybody wanted to imitate Cognac. Um, And, uh, you know, the... When did they start the regulation? The regulation started in the uh, the 20th century. Okay. Uh, But, of course, they weren't successful and they Mm -hmm. still aren't successful because the whole of... Eastern Europe calls um, their brandy their brandy cognac yeah and there's still a lot to be done in this respect mm-hmm. uh, but why why is that uh, Armenian brandy uh-huh. became to be produced well started production in the 1880s mm-hmm. why because people loved cognac yeah and they wanted to make something like that so they copied the cognac absolutely exactly just making it in armenia with armenian grapes Grapes, but the production method like uh distillation and aging Mm -hmm. was copied from cognac Mm -hmm. Yeah, by the Armenian entrepreneurs, yeah. and it was Russia just couldn't get enough. Russia is large; Russian yeah. empire was large, so they One of the, needed to. Yeah. They product. wanted to have to make their own, mm-hmm. and it wasn't just cognac. Remember, mm-hmm. remember, they were making their own champagne,
3: "quote yeah. unquote," which, which was I was going to say. So it's uh, cognac is the same, just like mm-hmm. champagne. You know, if it's a champagne, it needs to be yes. produced in champagne. Yes. Otherwise, it's but a it, it's not wine. only the
4: Eastern Europe that uh, yeah. called their brand is cognac. They the Spanish did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Americans did it. Yeah. Uh, but now uh, we in America respect the European law regarding yeah. the um, appellations of origin. So everything that is not made in the appellation of cognac, we call brandy. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong calling it brandy. Uh, the Spanish no longer call their brandy cognac. Yeah. They call it uh, brandy de Jerez or uh-huh. uh, brandy de Penedes. Um, there's nothing wrong. It's just a different drink because yeah. it is made in a different place in a different climate using different grapes. Um, it's made by different people. Yeah. And, so it's, it just, and it's
3: a national pride, you know, it's their city. It's, um, you know, no, nobody wants to, um, take that away from them because we need to give them their credit for their, um, invention, so to say, or their pioneering and for their work. So, um, How is um, how is brandy made? How is cognac made? So what does it take? Is it like winemaking and Mm -hmm. you
4: know? Yes any brandy and uh, cognac of course as well is a Spirit that Mm -hmm. is distilled from wine. That's the definition. So the first um, Thing you have to have is a vineyard Mm -hmm. with grapes in it uh, And then you have to make wine with them. Mm -hmm. Cognac in particular uses Almost exclusively one grape, which is called Uniblanc. Oh,
3: wow. Um, Just one?
4: Yes. Well, there there are a few others, but they are, um, their plantings are uh, less than 2% of the total. Mm-hmm. So it's almost exclusively one grape, Uniblanc. It is uh, the consequence of the diseases that um, were brought to Europe at the end of the 19th century. The phylloxera? Many, the phylloxera, yes, uh-huh. the phylloxera crisis, and many native grapes didn't survive um, the epidemic, so uh-huh. uh, they used the Italian grape uh-huh. Trebbiano um, to replant. Okay. So that's the grape they most they, uh, use almost exclusively for. So Uniblanc
3: is Trebbiano.
4: Yes, Uniblanc is it's the Trebbiano. French name for the Italian Trebbiano. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, then. They make the wine Mm -hmm. and uh, after they make the wine, they distill it into brandy and they only have a short period to do that between um, the making of the wine in Mm -hmm. the fall after harvest and the 31st of March. They have to distill all of the wine that will go into cognac before March 31st of the following year. So um, some technical
3: questions. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm sure some of the listeners would appreciate this. Does the wine have to ferment all the way through? And what is the sugar? Do you know how how sweet the grapes are at the Uh, harvest? The grapes
4: are not very sweet. Uh um, And the grapes have very high acidity. First of all, you have to, uh, just as with wine, Mm -hmm. um, you have to think about the climate. This is a maritime climate, so it is not uh, not a very warm climate. So uh, historically, the wines from this region weren't very... um, High in alcohol, because they weren't high in sugar. Mm -hmm. So they didn't hold up um, to long journeys, and that's what people wanted in the age of exploration. Mm -hmm. And that's why the Dutch, who were the main uh, trading people in the area, started distilling those wines into brandy Uh uh, for longer um, voyages. voyages, Mm -hmm. yes, And also to um, economize on the space, because you can um, hold a lot more booze a lot more alcohol if you more concentration if you remove some of the water yes if it's more concentrated and initially when they started distilling they actually thought that they were simply getting rid some uh, of some of the water Uh and then uh, the idea was to dilute it back with water to get the wine back they thought that it would be exactly the same process of getting to wine. They were making then cocktails nowadays. No, they (laughs) thought they were making it back into wine because they thought it was only removing the water. But, of course, as we now know, the distillation process creates new aromatic compounds and you can't really get back uh, the wine that you had before by adding water to brandy. Absolutely. Um, And then they discovered that um, if uh, the spirit stayed in the barrel for some time It actually improved the taste. Mm-hmm. So that's how the whole uh, thing started in cognac. But getting back to yeah. the wines, uh, no, the, the grape, uh, isn't very high in sugars and it's harvested fairly early before it's, um, fully ripe. So no, it doesn't produce uh, a high alcohol wine. Actually, we want the wine for distillation to be low in alcohol. Um, as opposed to wine, where we achieve the flavor concentration by getting the grapes ripe um, as much as possible by uh, restricting harvests to uh, very low yields. Yeah. Um, that's how we achieve concentration in wine. With spirits, we achieve concentration through distillation. So we don't want uh, very restricted harvests. So uh, the harvest, the yields that are allowed are restricted. But they're not as restrictive as with wine, mm-hmm. also uh we don't want the full ripeness, we want the wine to be low in alcohol to concentrate all the flavors during the distillation so interesting yeah so the the wines are nine or ten percent alcohol altogether, and they're very high in acid, mm-hmm. which acts as a preservative exactly. you know oh. so uh um, yeah, it's not a very drinkable wine,
3: yeah. Yeah, but it's a perfect uh, uh, slate for making
4: yes brandy for making brandy.
3: So then, so then the winemaking is done. So it goes through the distillation, and it's um, like such an interesting um, contraption so, to call. So what is the what is the process like if you can explain it like for some listeners and visualize yeah, it. it? It's a little
4: difficult to yeah. explain it well, we can uh, without that a picture, yeah. but uh-huh. uh, yeah, I, I'm sure that people know wh- how moonshine is made. This is a little more sophisticated, but it is a pot still, uh-huh. and it has to be made of copper by law. It does have a restriction on the capacity, so it can't be huge like in the whiskey production, Um and uh, the distillation has to be double distillation. Which what it means? Because so you, some you, people... Uh, are... Okay, so first time you distill, uh, you get a uh, the so-called brouillis, which is a liquid that is about 30% uh, alcohol. Uh, and then you have to, uh, to do the distillation one more time. Mm-hmm. So the same process where you would have where you would then cut the heads and tails. I'm sure that a lot of people are familiar with the heads and the tails. The heads are the most volatile compounds that um, evaporate first. Um, So you have to get rid of those because there are some dangerous things in there. And then um, things that come off the still last, uh, Mm -hmm. that have the lowest concentration of alcohol, are uh, very unpleasant, uh, kind of uh, soapy um, in aromas. and you, You have to get rid of those as well.
3: I have another question. What do the letters mean that are on the cognacs, the VS, VSOP, and XO?
4: And the letters you're referring to are VS, which means very special. Uh, and that means uh, the cognac, It's a, this is the youngest cognac, and it has to have uh, at least two years of barrel aging. Mm-hmm. Um, the second aging category with the letters is a VSOP, which means uh, very superior old pale. Uh, this designation means that the cognac has had to age for at least four years in barrel. And then the last category, um, the XO uh, means that uh, the cognac, ha- uh, the youngest um, spirit in the blend has to be uh, at least six years old and beginning, um, april 1st of this year 2018 um <clears throat> the exo requirement uh goes up to 10 years um, wow
3: so it needs to be aged 10 years in a barrel yes 10 and
4: years that's in what a we're barrel. tasting now uh yes it's amazing <laughs> this is what we're tasting now there's another category um uh, uh the napoleon uh-huh. which used to be the same aging requirement as the XO. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is it used to be the same aging as XO, which is six years. And after April 1st, when XO moves to 10 years, Napoleon stays at six. Oh,
3: I see. I um, have a question about Napoleon, but um, we'll get to that. Um, so do you know if the brandies that are made... In the other places, in the other countries, do they um, do the same aging or every country chooses their own aging time frame Or, or they try, like you said, try to copy and imitate cognac? They, I would assume that they would do the same, same um, thing, Yes,
4: they do have similar aging requirement. Um, I just read up on uh, Armenian brandy, and it seemed a little more complicated. But similar, there's usually a difference between different aging categories. Uh-huh. There are younger brandies and... Um, progressively more aged ones so is that the the
3: stars right on the yes uh,
4: bs is the stars uh cognac can also use three stars three stars yes
3: so i know the uh, armenian cognac has three stars five stars they have i think five stars
4: would be uh like the vsop more of a four-year cognac or Uh maybe five i don't know enough about armenian brandy uh, but, yes, cognac can use this three-star designation, which equals the VS designation. VS designation. But, again, you also have to remember that you will not see letters on every bottle of cognac. It depends on the producer on uh, on their range. They in, don't Even in, in,
3: even in uh,
4: France, in cognac, they don't have to. They don't to have to. Letters. These, uh, the letters um, signifying aging categories are not mandatory, but if you use them, they are regulated. I see. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh,
3: um, And and plus, I guess it gives a little bit of more like historical for some p- producers who are more traditional. They yes, like to maintain those.
4: Yeah. But also you have to keep in mind that many producers will age their spirits a lot longer than their requirement. I see. I so see. this mm-hmm. particular XO is not a six, six or a years. 10 year old. You just have to know that this particular XO averages about 25 years in barrel. So
3: this, this one has been aged for 25, yes. on average 25 This
4: years. particular one.
3: Yeah. Well, that's amazing. Cheers. <laughs> Do the <laughs> cheers. <laughs> Which brings me to the next question of the um, uh, cognac etiquette, like how to taste it and also foods
4: to pair it with. Okay. Um, well, there's no particular etiquette. One uh, thing I should say something about is the glass. Um, note that we're um, tasting our cognac from a tulip-shaped glass. Yeah. And many people are more familiar with the balloon-shaped snifter. Um, and it's not really uh, the best shape of glass, the snifter the ba- that the, is. The balloon, the balloon. Shape. Uh-huh. No, because it emphasizes the alcohol. And downplays the aromas. So what you smell first in a balloon is the alcohol, the heat, yeah, yeah, the heat. Uh-huh. And the tulip shape uh, directs you, directs the aromas to your nose first. So um, I would encourage people to drink cognac, and as a matter of fact, any other spirit from a tulip-shaped glass, because it focuses um, on the aromas and not on the heat. And this cognac is
3: so aromatic. We, uh, we talked about it uh, briefly. This is beautiful. Um, like you said, it has a lot of tropical um, yeah, fruit a lot in of it, which is, fruit. which is a characteristic for this particular...
4: Uh, <laughs> cheers with the microphone. Um, I think tropical fruits are um, a characteristic of an aged cognac in general. I see. You know, the longer it ages, the more tropical fruit you will get. Um, The first on the young cognacs, you will get simpler fruits like apples and pears, very um, fresh um, fruits from uh, temperate climates. Uh Um, And then as cognac develops, it gets more and more tropical notes. It's uh, one of the interesting features of an evolution of cognac as it ages. So um,
3: I... uh there is this uh, perception, not a perception, but I have seen uh, people like hold a glass with their hands to warm it up. Does it really, is it really necessary or is this something can like warming feel, up sake? Uh, you know, there's like hot sake, cold sake, warm cognac. They say that it releases more aromas.
4: Well, if you feel that it's too cold, uh, you can warm it in
3: your hands gently. Uh, what but is what a, if it's uh, not, you just, it, it was just sitting in a perfect temperature. So you don't really have to warm it up with your hand,
4: like hold the glass, hug it. No, um, you, uh, the higher the temperature, remember, uh, the higher the temperature, the more alcohol, alcohol. is going to evaporate. So yeah. that's going to be the first thing that hits your nose. So, um, you know, there even used to be contraptions that allowed you to heat a balloon glass over yeah. a candle. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, which this is... is Completely ridiculous because, first of all, the balloon already emphasizes the alcohol, and then you're heating it even more, which gives you even more alcohol um, in your nose. Um, now, the serving temperature for con- cognac should be um, low room temperature, or we can say cellar temperature. Cellar temperature, yeah. Uh-huh. 16 to 18 is a good serving temperature for cognac. That's Celsius, the Fahrenheit. Yes, Celsius, be... I'm sorry. It should be high well, 60s. So, yeah yeah um between, yeah yeah about 18 if you feel that you want to release a, aromas a little more yes by all means take it in your hands and warm it up a little if it's cold if it if you think it's, it's too, cold too cold and it's yeah. not giving you uh the aromas sure you can warm it but your hands are enough do not yeah. heat it over a candle to
3: to, to me uh, whether it be cognac or wine um, I love to hold the glass by the stem because I don't like the fingerprints on the glass. Um, It's just like, I love looking at the color and it's so beautiful that, you know, I just want it to be as clean as possible, as clear. I
4: think that's the (laughs) correct way. But we shouldn't be telling people how to drink their cognac. No, absolutely. We are are recommending not heating it up. There we go.
3: Yeah. Because there are some general perceptions and ideas of how things should be done and some you know, um, this is why I'm glad I'm talking to you To Um, for me, I, I, I don't know much about cognac and how to drink it. So, um, I, I'm very excited to learn all this from you today. Um, so you said it should be room temperature. I know we talked before and you have mentioned something about, um, freezing cognac.
4: Yes. Um, it is um, a young cognac is uh, very nice when it's served uh, straight out of the freezer. That is a fairly recent um, way of serving cognac. But uh, why does a young cognac benefit from being served cold? Uh, because a young cognac, let's say a VS category, uh, it hasn't had enough time to integrate all the flavors and especially the wood flavors. Um with the rest of the aromas, so sometimes uh, young cognac uh, will feel a little harsh uh, and woodsy, and a little warm because the alcohol isn't still uh, integrated as well. So even though it's the same forty percent alcohol as an XO, it will feel warmer,
3: uh-huh. just it's not as it's mellow. And not sweet. as mellow,
4: yes, because it hasn't aged a very long time. So what uh, freezing it does. Is it tones down that harshness, Mm -hmm. the heat of the alcohol, and the woodsy flavors. So uh, what remains is the smoothness and uh, the fruitiness. Mm -hmm. So it's um, and people uh, when people try it, they love it. That's very exciting. Yes, you can try try serving it as an aperitif. uh, Serve it with some appetizers. Try it with smoked salmon. Or caviar. The frozen. Yes, the frozen yeah. from the freezer.
3: So so what else can... I know like cognac, typically you can have it after the meal, just enjoy. Uh, I know some people like to do it with cigars. Can you pair cognac throughout your
4: dinner? Yes, uh, you can pair cognac with a lot of things. Um Let's just talk about ways of consuming different types of cognac. Uh, We started with the young cognac, and it's, um, let's say, a VS category, and Mm -hmm. it's very nice frozen. Um, What else? You can also drink cognac on the rocks, uh, so it's not going to be as cold. You can use a VSOP, just a slightly older cognac, for that. Uh Um, And these, in general, younger categories, VS and VSOP, uh, do very well in um, cocktails and long drinks as aperitifs. Um, they are very mixable, and now, with the resurgence of the cocktail culture um, in this country, cognac is coming back as a cocktail ingredient in many innovative drinks. Um, if you're talking about an older cognac, let's say the XO or the equivalent, uh, of course, it, it has its place more after a dinner, after a nice meal, as a meditative drink. Um, cheese course? Cheese course, This should be yes. really good with a cheese um, course. And if we think about pairing, well, the older the cognac, the, the better it's going to be on its own, just mm-hmm. by itself. Yeah. Um, because so, you know, it can be 10 years old, or it can be 50 years old. Or 25, just or like 25. this one. Or 25, yeah, just like <laughs> this one. And I think it's very nice on its own, but it could it's be paired with stunning. Food. Yeah. Um, so as far as food pairing, uh, cognac it, is a spirit, so by definition, it's a full-bodied drink. So the food you're pairing it with has to be full-bodied by definition. So think steak. Uh, it has to have uh, good fat content. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can do uh, meat. Um, so good fat content. Um what else? Foie gras. Foie gras. That's, That's my they, favorite pairing. They, my they absolutely like... favorite pairing with cognac is foie gras, seared foie gras. Because uh other things that go with cognac are obviously sweet things uh-huh. and things that have some burning, some caramelization. Um and foie gras has all of that. Yeah because it has the fat, <clears throat> it has the sweetness. And if you sear it, it has the caramelization, the burning, yeah. um, the crust. Yeah. So to yeah. me, it's an absolutely perfect pairing. Yeah. I love it. Uh, but any other things that are high in fat, <clears throat> think cheeses will be good with cognac. And especially uh, blue cheeses, uh, like Roquefort, will be good with any cognac from young to old. What um, What else? Um, chocolate anything chocolate will be good with cognac.
1: Ooh,
4: dark chocolate, <clears throat> I'm assuming. Milk chocolate, milk chocolate with a young the cognac. Creaminess. So, the yeah. older your cognac, the higher uh cocoa content you're looking for. Uh huh. So, uh, milk chocolate will probably go with a young with the... VS, okay. uh, but milk chocolate again, a young cognac VS, VSOP, uh, but the darker. The chocolate, the older the cognac. That's the rule of thumb. I'm getting hungry.
3: (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's like all this food and food conversations, like salvations. That's that's absolutely amazing. Um, So um, I wanted to tell the listeners uh, a very exciting information about uh, Irina. Uh, We are going to have an Armenian wine festival in June. And Irina is going to be there teaching two classes on cognac and brandy. So um, the class is going to be um, all about all the great information as well as tasting guided. Um, Irina is going to guide you through the tasting and I'm going to take the class for sure. I'm very excited about it. Um, So Irina, I didn't ask you, um,
4: what, uh, what do you do? You teach? Um yes, I teach wine classes, and so that's my main occupation at the moment. I uh I am a wine and spirits educator in at NASA. Yes, North American Family no. <laughs> Association. <laughs> not the that NASA, NASA that's sends sense <laughs> no, to not space. This, not the space NASA. You know. uh,
3: I'm sure you would have you would you would do great there too. So, um well, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for the um Good information, useful information. I'm sure the listeners would really enjoy this. Um, if you have any questions uh, about um, anything and everything, cognac slash brandy, um, you can comment under the link. I will post um, uh, Irina's uh, information. You can message her.
4: Yeah. Yes, of course. And um, I am subscribed to uh, the podcast, so I will... I will read the comments and try to answer your questions if you have any. Um, thank you for having me. And uh, it was a great talk. I'm looking forward to the Cognac class at the festival.
3: I'm looking forward to I'm so excited. And thank you so much. Like, I, I don't know, I asked, do do they do cheers with Cognac? Of course. All right. Well, cheers to a um, great year. Thank you for this perfect interview. First, My first interview of the year. And uh, cheers to many more.
2: Well, I did not know all that. I did not know all that about brandy, cognac, and you know what? It takes time for stuff like that. Yeah, I, I think it takes a little bit more time like they were talking, a little bit more time than you would find in wine because this thing's gotta be more
0: age driven. Yeah. so what well, I gotta tell you, I've actually never had brandy or cognac. You're kidding, never had it. I'm telling you right now, if you
2: got a little belly ache and yeah. uh, a little a little upset stomach, brandy, you take a little shot of that, and then I'm telling you right now, Armenian brandy especially, you you start getting warm inside, and boom, that pain's gone. Nice. That, that pain's gone. Our kids are a little bit more uh, prone to drinking uh,
0: brandy then, because <laughs> that, that, then we think <laughs> it's a medicine.
2: But don't medicines have
0: a little bit of alcohol in it anyway? Usually, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cough medicine and stuff like that has usually got a bit of alcohol in it.
2: But you know what, Anish, great job again, and that was with uh, Irina Ponomarenko. I hope I said that
0: right. I Ponomarenko. Probably,
2: yeah, you said that right. I, I mean, she sounds like a – you know, that's like an NHL name.
0: Yeah, it does, it does sound like an NHL name. <laughs> like a goalie in the NHL.
2: No, but uh, that was great, and thank you so much, Irina, for being a part of the show. And, uh, hey – that, that's going to do our show for this week. That's it. That's going to do our show. And by the way, folks, Henrik Mkhitaryan's debut will be tomorrow against Swansea. And I'm telling you right now, the whole world's going to be watching this. I think all Armenians
0: should tune into it. I think Henry's probably going to have it on the TV in the we back will room we will
2: have it so we'll we will have it we, we got seventy
0: inch TVs out there yeah, three we, of
2: them I think that the, they'll be watching that and we're we're going to be pumped up I got that jersey I can't wait to I'm not going to wear the jersey it's a, it's tight I'm going to look I'm going to look a little clownish I'm not going to wear it this week oh, okay but in two three weeks you just bring it in you just hold it up.
0: Yeah, I like could do that.
2: I got my scarf though. Oh yeah, yeah. I got my big scarf yes. I, and now and what a beautiful name too. We're the Gunners. Yeah. Gunners. It's an Armenian thing, I'm telling yeah. you. Arsenal. Gunners are A R. So <laughs> I'm telling you folks, Henrik Mkhitaryan, you did the best move, man. This is where you belong. And uh It's great. It's great. I can't wait, and I can't wait to be with you guys next week. We got a great show coming up here. I got a real nice guest that I watched this one movie, and we're gonna have a translator in the studio. He's gonna give us a. We're calling Armenia. The guy doesn't know how. You know, he doesn't. He's not good with English. So I got a translator in here. It's gonna be great. Good, great interview. All right, my friends, genatsit kisher party. We'll see you next week.
1: Tune in next week for another episode of A Toast to Armenia with Jono Kabinjian. Find the show online at armeniaproud.com and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, and all major podcast outlets. Join the conversation at facebook.com slash armeniaproud or Twitter at armeniaproud. Get all of our podcasts now at lineupmedia.fm.